Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey guys, before we get started, uh, it's Joey here and Sean. Hey guys. Uh, and we just wanted to let you know, we're doing a live round ball rock. This Friday, June 2nd, in between games one and two, in San Francisco, at the Hemlock Tavern, at 6 p.m., hard start time, 6 p.m., so show up a little bit before. Uh, We've got great guests like Sean. Uh, We have got Zach Harper, basketball writer, um, at Talk Hoops on Twitter. We have a... From the ESPN True Hoop pod, and, well... Formerly the True Who Pod, now the Basketball Analogy. Yes, uh, we have a great comedian. We cannot announce him for legal reasons, but friend of the pod, hilarious guy, big hoops fan. Um, and we have sideline reporting from San Francisco comedian Joe Tobin. So, oh, so uh, funny. He's like our Doris Burke, I would say. Yeah. Um, it's going to be great. Show up. It's, you'll, you're going to love it. And you know what? I'll tell you what. If you show me you gave us a five-star review on Facebook, I mean on uh, iTunes, I will give you a free Round Ball Rock sticker. That's right. You're going to get stickers if you come to this thing. Giveaways, stickers, the magic of Round Ball Rock. And, uh, you know, it's a good bar to hang out with anyway. And, uh, actually, and it's if you're free. <laughs> and if you're in the San Francisco area, they will be showing the games in the main room on a giant wall. So... Hemlock Tavern, Ramble Rock, two great tastes. Friday, go back together. June 2nd, 6 p.m. Free stickers, giveaways, <laughs> hilarity. Come meet your friends. Also, Dave will be there, which he is will. not always true with our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but we can promise Dave will be there. Yes, yes. All right. It's, it's live, fam. That's what we got to do. It's, we got to check it's it out. It's lit, fam. Okay. Bye. 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 It's the Round Ball Rock Podcast. Starring 
Dave Schilling, Adam Morrison, Venice Dumbo, Joey Devine, Tony Massenberg, Dickie Simpkins, Carl Herrera, Sean Keane, Will Purdue, Dion Glover, Special guest, Ezekiel Kweku! Musical guest, Europe! And now the host of Round Ball Rock, Joey Devine! Hey there, Round Ball What The Fuckers! Somebody suggested I should say Round Ball What The Rockers, but I don't like that as much. Uh, we've got a great guest today in an NBA Finals uh, preview. Ezekiel Kwaku at the Shrillest is here, one of my favorite Twitters on Earth. How you doing, Ezekiel? I'm doing well. It's very kind of you to say. And also, as always, Sean Keen. Hey, how's it going, guys? Also, as always, Dave is not here. Um, <laughs> uh, he's he's covering, I think, the finals of wrestling, possibly right now. No, I think he's on the Mass yeah, Man I- podcast right now. Uh, yeah, he's chosen to be a guest host on another podcast instead of his own podcast today. So that's pretty tight. Anyway, um, guys, the finals are almost here. We are one day away. Are you excited? Uh, I'm pumped. Yeah. I mean, the, the playoffs have been so boring because it felt like preseason for the finals. So I'm I'm ready to get like the real playoffs underway. Yeah, it uh it there's there's really been so many just I mean, I thought I thought some of the series that didn't involve the Cavs and Warriors were interesting, but it seemed so irrelevant like the Harden Westbrook matchup to talk to sort of uh, determine the real MVP, an award that would be given out two months later, was kind of a little bit disappointing, especially <laughs> knowing that the Warriors were going to sweep either one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I liked the Memphis-San Antonio matchup, too, but I didn't ever really feel like Memphis was going to win, and so it just felt sort of like a sideshow. Yeah, it was like Vince Carter kind of exhibiting... Uh, the greatness of old Vince Carter, but yeah, no, no real drama to it. Well, we're going to get some drama in the playoffs, probably. Uh, <laughs> but but first off, we've got some news to talk about really quickly. New, We've got some news. Let's insert a news drop here. Robot, insert the news drop. This is Round Ball Rock News. Basketball news. For humans and robots. Trust the process. The Clippers apparently, according to Mark Stein, want to hire Jerry West. Wait, Uh, is Mark Stein still reporting? Good for him. Yes, he has to report until... uh, uh, until after the draft, because uh, Woj won't isn't joining ESPN until after the draft. 
man, that's a that's a tough situation for that guy. Um, so Jerry West's contract is up with the Warriors in a yes. month or so. But according to Lakeup, he wants to. Lakeup has said they're going to do anything they can to keep him. They're just not. Uh, contract talks are on hold until after the finals. Oh, okay. So this this seems like a very Clipper type move to me. Yeah, it's not unlike. Um, like signing, like trading for a super injured Bill Walton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, what what what's the position that they want? Jerry? I, I haven't seen this. What's the position that they want? The Jerry West for? same exact position, like a uh, uh, consultant. I would just think he's met Doc Rivers before, right? yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know why he would want to do that maybe he's just like maybe he's bored and wants a new challenge but other than that like that seems like an odd thing to do well to me i just think like he does live in LA. I think that's that's the Clippers idea. Uh-huh. But he's so directly connected with the Lakers. I feel like Laker people just have such inherent disdain for Clipper people that he might be offended by them even just asking. So would he would he work in I don't I guess I just don't know this. Do the team's front offices both work in LA Live? Like, are there both teams are? I don't know. Basically, would he be working down the hall from the Lakers? I don't think so. I think aren't the Lakers at the aren't their offices in like Inglewood. El Segundo oh, okay. or Inglewood or one of those? Yeah, like where their practice facility is. Yeah, near the practice facility and near um, I can't remember the name of it. There's some place with a goose in the name that's uh, Dr. Jerry Buss's traditional favorite strip club. So that's, that's also <laughs> an important part of their offices. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I think the Clippers, I think their offices are probably in, like, uh, I don't know, Frogtown or something. Right, like, so <laughs> like the, the crappiest so sounding place. <laughs> um, but. Is this related? Apparently, the Spurs are now starting to really entertain the idea of adding Chris Paul. Um, yeah, which seems crazy because Chris Paul basically personally negotiated a new uh, labor agreement that would allow him, Chris Paul, to get paid <laughs> over two hundred and five million. Well, because it because it wasn't five years. Yeah, and it wasn't just the designated player thing. I think you couldn't have a max contract if you were thirty five or over before. Yes, and now you can be thirty seven, which happens to be the last year Chris Paul would be eligible for that contract. I think. Yes, it. The funniest thing about that is uh, these next contracts. Chris Paul and LeBron James make the cut, but Carmelo Anthony didn't. Which really, that banana boat, there's some backstabbing going on on that banana boat. (laughs) 
<laughs> Carmelo Anthony should never have to pay part of that boat rental ever. <laughs> it's funny but, too because I mean Carmelo every time he's had the the choice between like having a better team and having more money, he's like always chosen having more money. Yeah, and it's it's been really really direct choices the last two times too of. Literally everyone knows the Knicks are going to be terrible. And, I mean, they, they almost lucked into Chris Dumps because without him they would be like a like a 19-win team or something. They definitely lucked into Chris Dumps. Like, in, a, in another world, he is playing with Jaleel Okafor. Oh, wow. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I was that's, a, that's a really funny alternate reality to imagine. Very depressing for Knicks fans, but funny for me. <laughs> yeah. It's like, how could he have a more brutal work environment than Philadelphia? <laughs> well, what if James Dolan was his boss? Uh, what if Phil Jackson... Hey, he's probably a great triangle guard, though, right? I mean, oh. a triangle forward. Yeah, he'd really he, look for it. He wouldn't, he wouldn't unsubscribe to those emails immediately like everybody else. Oh, my God. Does Phil, do you think Phil Jackson knows you can filter email? No. No way. <laughs> um, I want to get on that mailing list so bad. Oh, to get a daily triangle email would be the greatest thing on earth. And you so, know, like, he doesn't use, like, punctuation and, like, use, like, irregular syntax. It'd be like getting, like, an E.E. E. Cummings poem in Triangle Offense every morning. It would be the worst and also the best. I bet you would, I bet a lot of them would be uh, things he was, like, dictating to his phone and then forgot <laughs> to turn it off. So it's just normal conversations with, like, just his errands. And yelling at a GPS and stuff like that. <laughs> um, um, so back to CP3 and the Spurs, though. The money difference is five years versus 205 million. Uh, five years at 205 million versus four years at 152 million. Could I this how act- much the, how much? I wonder how much uh, income tax... And the fact that Texas doesn't have income tax, how much oh, that that I bet that makes I, it really close, actually. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But you're right, because that would completely make it competitive at that much money. Because obviously he's not going to be able to get a one-year contract for $50 million at the end to make it up. But, <laughs> but uh, no, that could, that could absolutely make up the difference. Wow. And... He can't get a sign-and-trade to get the most money, but he could get a sign-and-trade to um, clear Get away space. from Austin Rivers? Well, that's... Okay. <laughs> uh, go ahead, John. No, no, no. I mean, it, um, the Spurs basically just don't have any cap space, and they can kind of basically just tell Pau Gasol to opt out or they're going to trade him. But... Uh, I don't think he'd necessarily be opposed to returning to Los Angeles, you know. It would be kind of amazing if Chris Paul eventually got traded for Pau Gasol like six years after the first time that was going to happen. <laughs> um, 
I don't think this can actually happen, though, personally. Like the just Clippers because. Just Go ahead. With his stance at the union, I don't think the president can take less money elsewhere. <laughs> um, well, I mean, because st- they get mad every time that happens. Yeah, but he'd st- he'd still be getting a max. Yeah. I don't know. It really just depends on how sick he is of the Clippers, basically. Because it's almost not the Clippers or the Spurs' decision, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm sick of the Clippers, so I would be happy to see it happen. (laughs) Right. right. I mean, but if you're the Spurs, like, do you really want to give a 32-year-old point guard, like, that money and, like, tear up your team. It just seems like such an unspursy sort of move. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Especially, it's, I would be happy if I were the Spurs that DeJounte Murray, I mean, he's never going to be Chris Paul, but, like, I don't know. It does seem very unspurs. Because it, um, it would, I think, for sure mean that Manu and Powell leave. Patty Mills would leave, Jonathan Simmons would leave, and probably more people. But uh, it does seem like that. And also they're watching LaMarcus Aldridge uh, slowly turn into dust himself. So that's, you know... I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge is not really considered somebody who would be in a big three anymore, right? I mean, I guess it depends on how much you think... Like, the real Marcus Aldridge is the guy that we saw in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, if you think if you think that's the real Marcus Aldridge, the guy that we saw, like, in the Warriors series, um, then he's obviously not part of any big three. But if you think that's just, like, an aberration because Kawhi and Tony Parker helped create his shots and neither of them were there, then maybe you think that was just random bad series i don't know yeah hard to say i the one thing i would be very interested to see chris paul on the spurs is i do want to see him scream at lamarcus aldridge because i would like to see anyone scream at lamarcus aldridge because that dude does not appear to give a shit (laughs) there'd be there'd be something amazing about um you know the guys who leave the Spurs still kind of hang around the practice facility all the time, like Tim Duncan. Can you imagine what kind of flopping Chris Paul could do with Manu there to mentor him? <laughs> Take him to the next level. It'd be like when people go to uh, when people used to go to Hakeem to learn to learn the post. Right post <laughs> Like, take that flop game to the next level. Uh, <laughs> and Chris Paul, it's just Duncan can show him the really incredulous foul call face. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, like, seriously, it's like a really good match, I feel like, personality-wise. Like, Chris Paul is always, like, I don't know always takes the game of basketball like in a business-like way, which mm-hmm. makes him an odd fit with DeAndre and Blake. But I feel like yes. the Spurs, like, sort of military style. 
would suit him very well. Yeah. Although he, I, I think there's like a certain level of like insubordination in Chris Paul that wouldn't fit with the Spurs. <laughs> Where he's so demonstrative to his teammates and coaches on the court occasionally. I don't know if Pop would be into like a guy like a a five foot eleven guy screaming at a ref instead of listening to him during a timeout. Hmm. It's possible. I mean it, <laughs> Steven Jackson played there, right? So it's yeah. like they can yes. tolerate a certain amount of shenanigans, I guess. Also, I mean, it helps that the the other star of the team, uh, the other guy on the team, just never speaks at all. <laughs> so yeah, it would work out all right. Um, yeah. So the other the other Chris Paul related story this week. I can't believe there's so much. Uh, we're we're past the second round of the playoffs, and we're talking about Chris Paul. But uh, David Stern claimed, I think this was on a podcast, that the Lakers could have had Chris Paul back in 2011, but Mitch Kupchak panicked, and then he traded Lamar Odom too quickly. Uh, yes, sorry about that, guys. I had a I had a maintenance guy come. He's looking at my air conditioning. Sorry oh, about no, that, guys. No problem. No problem. That's why I disappeared for a few seconds. Oh, that's right. I'm disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> you and your air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're just uh, bragging to the listeners, huh, about your central air. <laughs> it's not central. It's a wall unit, first off. And it's broken, so... <laughs> Pretty big high roller here. <laughs> yeah, wait... Why why is there this is this is unprecedented that we are a day away from the finals and there is so much Chris Paul news. No, it's incredible. You, you It's really like he's he's trying to shoehorn his way into the NBA <laughs> finals. He's like, "You know what? I'm going to make this about me for once." But the weird the weird thing is like it doesn't seem like it's coming from him. It's like the, the Spurs said they wanted Chris Paul and then David Stern went on a podcast? Like, that seems very weird <laughs> to me as well. Like, it's just from a different era, I guess. Yeah, uh, it's odd. But yeah, I guess I guess he was defending himself over the Chris Paul trade and said they totally would have just done it if, but Mitch Kupchak traded Lamar Odom immediately. Uh, which might be true. Um, it's weird that he's still talking. About it. <laughs> why? Why are they talking about that? I don't understand. Like, I, was it just like David Stern's career, and then they talked about how weird that was when they squashed the trade? Or like, I think he's really sensitive about that because um, he really hates anything that's like David Stern was rigging the league, which he probably kind of was. <laughs> to a degree, he definitely was. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a very weird thing to revisit because it 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 feels like maybe I heard about it more just because I'm exposed to so many Laker fans all the time. But it's it's a very it, maybe there's just too much time 
between the end of the conference finals and the NBA finals. That yeah. might be what's happening. I mean, we have had uh, like almost an entire off season here in between. Uh, <laughs> uh, like the draft happened before the NBA finals this year, right? The draft already happened. <laughs> it's also, it um, doesn't feel like they, they really could have been announcing a couple awards this week too. Yeah. It that might that feels like it disrupted the, the rhythm. Yeah, and, um, and guys used to be able to get their awards before really excited playoff crowds, and now they're getting them in front of Drake, I think. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, and a, a large TNT audience. You know that midsummer TNT audience. Yeah, I mean you um, you you watch Animal Kingdom. You're DVRing the last ship, and then yeah. uh, it's time to go. <laughs> All right, one more piece of news before we get to the finals. Uh, this has been long, as almost as long a break as uh, the actual NBA break. Uh, it wouldn't be NBA news now if we didn't have to talk about Lonzo freaking ball for some reason. He won't work out for Boston. Um as if Laker fans weren't excited enough already, <laughs> Lonzo Ball is refusing to work out for Boston. Which, to me, seems like a, some weird LeVar Ball secret shit. Uh, like, Boston's not going to take Lonzo Ball anyway, so who cares? Nah, it's <laughs> like, a, why would... <laughs> it's, a big, it's a big ball and room, though. You it don't is think a that's big a baller tri- move. It's a triple B move. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like there are very few options for a player to try to influence where they go in the draft, and like pretty much like the only card you can play is I'm not going to work out for your team. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I remember Steph didn't work out for the Warriors. I think you want to. No, go, you want to go to the Knicks, maybe. I think yeah, it was right. the Knicks. Thank God Don Nelson uh, <laughs> still drafted him. Jesus Christ. <laughs> there are so many chances of Steph Curry not ending up on the Warriors. It's kind of incredible. <laughs> they almost traded him to the Suns. He wanted to go to the Knicks. Yeah, the Minnesota didn't pick him. Picks, yeah, they picked two different Johnny point Flynn. guards. And Ricky Rubio consecutively right ahead of him. That was amazing. Who would the Warriors have now? Jordan Hill? I mean, Jordan I guess they, Hill. Well, they, they would not <laughs> still have Jordan <laughs> Hill. But, uh, no, I mean, that's that's like the Don Nelson magic is uh, like crazy small lineups, um, good game plans that are kind of just based on drinking a lot of scotch, and just crazy misdirection at the draft. Like, I remember when he intentionally had Jason Thompson work out against Anthony Randolph because he knew Thompson would really kick his ass because he was, like, four full years older. (laughs) And, I mean, it wasn't Uh, the means to anything that led to winning basketball games, but it was just, like, this month-long plan to trick the Sacramento Kings. (laughs) And that was pretty much the whole uh, thing. My favorite one of those stories is when he, like, 
talked up Yinka Dare for like two months so he could get Latrell Sprewell. <laughs> Which is <laughs> the ga- that you're doing that much gamesmanship. Wasn't Sprewell like the 25th pick in the draft or something too? Yeah, I think so, yeah. He's playing the long game. See, that's why you can't play cards against him. That's why that game in Hawaii is so legendary. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Lonzo Ball, look, honestly, if I were Danny Ainge, I would maybe just draft Lonzo Ball and see if, uh, Magic panics. (laughs) (laughs) The whole city of LA would panic. It'd be funny. That would be so fantastic. It'd also be funny to see, like, see Lonzo and his family have to, like, walk back all the stuff that... That they've said about the Lakers. Uh, yeah, it would be the funniest. Plus, you know the people of Boston would just love LeVar Ball. That oh it would God. go together. Like... What? What? <laughs> just a great open-minded <laughs> fan base. Yeah, there, <laughs> there wouldn't be like uh, a bunch of weird race baity columns every ten seconds at all. Out of those would, sports writers, not happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect marriage. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, I mean like, like... <laughs> here. My dream scenario: they draft him, they trade Isaiah Thomas, and when Lonzo Ball predictably just has a couple months to adjust to the NBA, they panic and trade for TJ McConnell. I was gonna say, I was gonna tr- say they trade Isaiah Thomas for TJ McConnell. Oh, oh, well, that's. <laughs> um, Sean, do you want to do our ad read? And yeah, then we, we can have... talk to Shrillist about the finals. Absolutely, let's do it. Okay, so uh, we have another brand new sponsor, special for finals week. It's a Brazilian-style improv studio with locations in Northeast Ohio and Northern California called Yes Andersons. If you like basketball and the magic of improvisation, this is the place for you to hone your craft. Your instructor, Anderson Verijão, brings years of big game experience to the world of improv. His philosophy is simple. Let your mind run wild and out of control, just like your body. And never, ever cut your hair. Sure. A sketch might flop. Maybe a character will fall flat. Maybe an act-out will critically injure your scene partner's knees. But at Yes Anderson's, you can always rebound. Uh, Mr. Verajao has participated in some of the best improv spots out there. The Del Curry Marathon in North Carolina. uh, The Can't Stay Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. And he's been an instructor with the Writhing on the Groundlings. Best of all, after your introductory course, you only pay the veterans minimum for classes. And for low-income students, there's a flopping scale admission. However, do not let Anderson Verigel play in any crucial improv games. We cannot stress this enough. It will ruin the entire season. I mean scene. It will ruin the entire scene. Uh... Yes, Anderson's is located just half a mile away from Oracle Arena, right next to the party supply store, Fiestas Easily. Yes, Anderson's, you will never block someone again. All right, thank you, Yes, Anderson's. Wow, that's sounds pretty good for 
don't know. Maybe some of the Clippers would like to take those improv classes. <laughs> I, I assume DeAndre Jordan is taking improv classes twice a week. Just killing yeah, I those think, State Farm ads. I mean, maybe that's their chance to get uh, Jerry West. Maybe they're like, we have the world-famous... Matt Walsh on retainer <laughs> teaching improv classes. I would love to see Jerry like like he he joins the cast of that State Farm commercial too. He is way more of a but no than a yes and though. <laughs> um so shrillist Ezekiel. Uh I know why I am a Warrior fan, and I know why Sean is a Warrior fan, uh, but why are you a Warrior fan? Um, well, I moved to Oakland uh, in 2008, and I didn't have cable, really, uh, so like my best option of watching to like watch NBA basketball was to go to a bar yeah. uh, um, or something like that. Um, and in two thousand eight, yeah, you were you were one year away from catching the the beautiful game of Corey Maggette. So, <laughs> <laughs> tragic. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's sort of how I I sort of started watching the Warriors um, more intently. Then, I mean, I'm from Sacramento, so. Um, I grew up watching the Kings um, and stopped watching basketball for a, a couple years after those uh, Western Conference Finals. <laughs> it was yeah, so I can see how that happened. <laughs> it was so traumatizing <laughs> for me that I sort of like put basketball sort of on the back burner. Um, and, you know, I started watching basketball again. I didn't really get attached to a team. But then when I moved to Oakland, I started watching the Warriors and... Uh, the rest is history, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was something really compelling about watching young Monte Ellis, too. Uh, yeah. Even though it, it didn't lead to a lot of victories, but you would, you would have these games where he'd, <laughs> he, he just played so hard, and he'd play like 46, 47 minutes a game because Don Nelson just didn't care. And uh, I don't know. I mean, my Well, Don Nelson cared, but he cared about getting... The 25 wins he needed to break that record. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's... Do you do you find it strange that they're good? Like, that's, that's oh, the weirdest... It's still weird to me. I'm still... I still don't think of them as, like, a perennial contender, I guess. I still feel like yeah, the rug is going to be yanked out. It's It's really weird. Um, it's really weird how fast it happened. Like when they like how fast they went from like fun to watch to juggernaut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like like the Warriors fan base still has not like gotten over the traumas of the past, and so they're always waiting for something bad to happen. And so, like last year in the finals was like the ultimate. It seems like it's going well, but something terrible is going to happen. Yeah. You, yes. You could get that sense from the Game 7 crowds. And, I mean, I think, I think 
part of it too is you have that you have the A's factor, which is also the same like constant postseason gut punch. Like I was I I became very pessimistic about last year's finals once I found out that Draymond Green was gonna be at an A's game during game five. And I just thought that's not a good omen. Like that Yeah, that's... the Oakland A's at in a being involved in the playoffs is not something you want and as ter- a sports fan. Yeah, I mean terrible things constantly <laughs> happen to them at home in that ballpark even. So Yeah. Well I I, Sean knows this about me. I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast, but I had I, I'm a fan of two sports teams: it's the Golden State Warriors and the Oakland A's. But after the the A's lost to the Royals in the playoff, the play-in game, I stopped being an A's fan because it was too painful. And then the Golden State Warriors became the greatest basketball team of all time. Wow, and that happened. So <laughs> it, it happened simultaneously. And I was like, oh, so this is, in my dumb sports brain, I was like, oh, so this is all that needed to happen for the Warriors to become good, is I just had to pick them. <laughs> and then the A's butting in in that 3-1 lead, I was like, this is... <laughs> of course this is happening. Right. <laughs> like, if, uh, all that needs to happen is for Festus Azili not to slide into home, and uh, that is how we're going to lose Game 7. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as, as great as the crowds are, they do get really quiet when another team makes a run, or, uh, you know, that game against the Spurs, the arena was just really quiet until Kawhi got hurt. Yeah. I don't think... Uh, I mean, since the Warriors became actually good, I don't think I've actually been in the building for a Warriors loss. <laughs> like, I don't think it's, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's happened. I mean, before then, yeah, I, I mean, I was, I was there for several losses. Uh-huh. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> no! No! <laughs> I, I was there for LeBron James um, hitting a buzzer beater uh, to beat the Warriors when he was with Cleveland still. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, I think they like carry the memories of all these bad things that happened. So they're like, they have a like sports fan PTSD. So like anytime things start going downhill, they sort of start getting like jittery and yeah, like, it's happening again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I was there for, uh, in the first playoff run against the Nuggets when they beat George Carl's Nuggets. I was there for the game. I was either, it was six. Yeah, game six. Where they closed out. And it was clear they were going to close out, like, if I remember right, for most of the fourth quarter. But... Fans were still not... I mean, and of course, this is before, like, the big run. Everyone was assuming Steph Curry was going to, like, roll his ankle, and they were going to lose that game until the final buzzer sounded, basically. And I mean, and didn't he roll his ankle in the very next playoff game, too? So Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, I remember, I remember talking to Joey about the game. Like, hey, you saw the Warriors win a playoff series, and it, you know it hasn't happened in so long. And Joey just said, like, I didn't enjoy the last fourth quarter at all because it was all like Jarrett Jack throwing the ball away and Clay Thompson stepping yeah. out of bounds and yeah, almost blowing a twelve point lead. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, the ghosts of Michael Petris stepping out of bounds on a uh, <laughs> corner three-pointer are haunting. <laughs> so, the other thing we wanted to ask you about, which again, this is only sort of uh, play uh, finals relevant, but... Uh, we are obsessed with Brian Windhorst, <laughs> um, uh, because he just seems like the NBA's most unlikely, uh, pundit ever. He's like a weird guy from Cleveland who has that voice, and he, like, brags about having a shoe hookup in Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> He read his own audiobook, in, but despite the fact that he has that voice, um, uh, which yeah, listening to, to part of that. I listened to the whole thing, and what's funny is is it's like he knew what was going on because there are points when like he's supposed to swear. He's reading like quotes. <laughs> and stuff, and I was like, I cannot wait to pull Brian Windhorst swearing from this audiobook for the podcast. <laughs> and he'd say, like, <laughs> and he'd just say expletive instead of the swear. Oh my god. So Come on. <laughs> I mean, it's. Does he. Doesn't he. Does he live in Nebraska? Yeah. He lives in Omaha. So he was saying something, he was saying, not to talk about other podcasts, but he was just talking about, he made a reference to the fact that he is constantly spending like three or four hours of time at the airport in Minneapolis. Yes. That just seems so miserable that he's, (laughs) like, what is that travel like? So he has to go. He has to go like he flies from miles. Omaha to Minneapolis to fly to to get a direct to Los flight Angeles. to a lot oh of cities. God. Yeah, that just seemed, what a weird life. <laughs> yeah, I I remember hearing on a podcast once that like he doesn't want the NBA league office to like know his address. <laughs> like, like a secret or something, and I was just like, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> like, I'm not even like hating on him for it. It's just like, I don't, I don't understand this at all. <laughs> like, what, what is the deal here? Oh yeah, I want to make that very clear. Like the things I think are funny about Brian Windhorst are not me hating on Brian Windhorst. No, I, I yeah. love Brian Windhorst. <laughs> But yeah, he just, it's, it just, it feels like the probability of him having the life that he does are so low that he just became the Boswell to like a 15-year-old LeBron James and is just clearly very hardworking and tenacious, but yeah, just, just moved around LeBron James and, um, I mean, one of my favorite stories is that when LeBron went to Miami, 
um, Windhorse just kept his condo in Cleveland because the housing crisis had like destroyed its value. So four years later, he just moved into <laughs> the same condo he had. <laughs> did you did you hear? Uh, not to talk about it at the podcast, but yeah. did you hear him on the the NBA Finals preview that he was on? Yes, uh, we were. That was the next question <laughs> we were getting to, uh, which is Brian Windhorst uh, claims that the Warriors get up early in games at home because the color yellow is disorienting. We- uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he kept saying, "Mock me if you want, mock me if you want," but the color yellow, all that yellow, is a weapon. Yeah, I was just like, (laughs) and it went on for so long, too, like. And he kept saying, you guys can make fun of me if you want, and no one was making fun of him because they were so confused at the idea that he was positing, it felt like. (laughs) And he was so dead serious about it. Uh It wasn't even like. It wasn't even like, I know this sounds silly, and it kind of is, but I kind of believe it. It was just like, this is true. I know right. you guys are going to mock me, but it's like, I know you guys are going to mock me in like the way like a, ge- like a visionary genius would say it. Like, mock <laughs> me if you want. Like, I'm right. Like, the earth is round. Like, I, didn't, I didn't even know what to say about it. Like... <laughs> It's it's just amazing that well that's a, that's one thing that really makes me like him is that he's not afraid to say embarrassing stuff like that or like just you know he's he's like a a guy who's covered the NBA for over a decade and still doesn't really know what rap music is you know like <laughs> but he'll he'll also admit it so he's very yeah, genuine. And I really like- I really, yeah, he's so, he's very genuine. I really like, like when he talks about basketball because he seems so excited about it and like fascinated about just random things about the game, like whether it's X's and O's or like what cars players drive or like details uh-huh. of behind the scenes back. He just seems fascinated by everything, which makes him a, a compelling, compelling person. Yeah. To I like when he has to, like, mention, like, a Kardashian or, like, an R&B <laughs> singer that someone is dating. And he'll he'll always couch it with, I don't really know who this person is, but Tristan is dating Khloe Kardashian. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. He uses it almost like a technical scientific term like (laughs) that's the word for this thing and says like i don't really know what this means but the term that scientists use for it is this is wale yeah Um, (laughs) and i've been told that yeah it's it's funny So, Sean, you very specifically wanted to talk about no confidence, terrible merchandise. Yeah, it's like a it's a passion of mine, and I noticed 
uh, <laughs> on on your Twitter a picture of the Central Division champions Cavs hat, <laughs> which is so amazing for basketball. Like, especially because there's six divisions now. Like, I've I've um, actually, if you're in Salt Lake City, you can you'll still see people with um, merch that will reference how many times the Utah Jazz won the Midwest Division in the 90s, <laughs> which is... But at least that's... Um, but I think my favorite thing is um, I, I kept getting, just obviously because of my internet activity, I kept getting ads for, like, Warriors Conference Champions merchandise, which is... Like the kind of thing I would send to a Warriors fan if I hated them. <laughs> like it's it's like saying this is as far as you're gonna go. It's like yeah, it's like what is the what is the point of that? Like if you go to the finals, you're gonna buy a finals hat. Yeah. So why would you have? And if you lose the finals, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't even want the finals hat, but you're definitely not going to want the Western Conference <laughs> right. finals champion. Yeah, no, they I... might they might as well sell like blue a three one lead merch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you know, it's like, yeah, it is like saying this is this is the NBA Finals loser sweatshirt. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And at least at least like the the conference finals or whatever, like that's like a meaningful thing that people think about. Yeah. But like a division title, like <laughs> I don't who cares? Like I don't understand. Why not just buy a Cavs hat? Yeah. Um the only the I'll only... tell you who cares. <laughs> San Jose Sharks fans. That's who cares? <laughs> Oh. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's funny. And a Cavs one, too. Like, why? <laughs> like, you were just really worried about Paul George in the first round? <laughs> I mean, maybe you want to celebrate the Antoine Jameson Cavs. Oh, oh, yeah. Like, that powerhouse. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Shaquille O'Neal Antoine Jameson Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> yeah, like we we did win a title last year, but I haven't forgotten about Anthony Parker and Delonte West. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I I sure miss the days of Wally Zerbiak. Oh. It's so it's so funny though, like how nostalgic the like Warriors fan base is about teams that like their their achievement is getting to the second round. Oh yeah, like, uh, I mean. I can I I I am super guilty of that. Like it and I often feel bad about it frankly. <laughs> which is that I still think the We Believe team is my favorite Warriors team ever. Even over the one that won a championship and won 73 games. Unpack that for me. Um I watched garbage for so long and there's just something, there was something very Oakland about the, we believe team as someone from the East Bay went to high school in Oakland. Uh, it just, 
Steven Jackson, Baron Davis, and Jason Richardson is like a saint to me. <laughs> uh, because there, and he, it, which is funny because he's not, he wasn't even the best player on that team. But he, the Warriors were so depressing before he got there. Like, they trade the Warriors famously. I remember we used to complain about this all the time. They traded Vince Carter <laughs> for Antoine Jameson on draft day. <laughs> and getting Jason Richardson was like getting like off brand Vince Carter. Yeah, I mean they were they were notorious for things like trading Jason Terry for Vontigo Cummings on draft day. Like <laughs> Um, And there was just so little hope before then. Like, in between... uh, Like, Run TMC is really only a two-year period. Yeah. And, like, everything is so depressing. Like, I was too young for Sleepy Floyd. I was almost too young for Run TMC, but I remember them. Uh And then it was just like a basketball desert. Well, they had they had the first pick in the draft, two out of three years, and one of those guys was gone after a year, and then the other guy was gone, uh, be like less than three years after the draft. Joe Smith got traded. yeah, so. like the Weber thing was super depressing, and then following right on the heels of the Weber thing, Latrell Sprewell choked the coach. <laughs> And then there was nothing until Jason Richardson showed up and won dunk contests. And that's, like, what we had forever was a guy who won two dunk contests and then lost another one to Fred fucking Jones. (laughs) (laughs) And And then the We Believe team showed up. And, like, they traded for Baron Davis in, like, a real highway robbery. And then all of a sudden, for one year, they were, like, fun and good. And then they were bad again, basically, immediately. Like, in, in fact, in the most classically Warriors thing ever, the next year at on draft day, they trade Jason Richardson yeah. for Brandon Wright. <laughs> and even now, the whole the whole idea was somehow they were supposed to get Kevin Durant, and it's become the Kevin sorry Garnett. Kevin Garnett, sorry. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's become this like folklore among well specifically beat writer Tim Kawakami. And he he he's been he's just been talking about it and kind of hinting at it, and they finally had he finally had Chris Mullen just talking about it on his podcast, and the whole story is super vague. It's all yeah. it's all like yeah, I mean we we told like he says what was the trade and he's like yeah we had a lot of stuff that we could have traded. I was like oh you didn't have a trade at all. That this is just a it's a legend. Right now. <laughs> but yeah, the We Believe team, personality-wise, was so... Yeah, it was, it was Oakland real. at that point, especially. Because that's like uh, the bub-rub whistle-tips Oakland. <laughs> and like, Steven Jackson 
is like the NBA's bub rub. <laughs> um, and uh, the Warriors immediately reverted back to being the Warriors. It was almost like a like an actual Cinderella thing, where for one night they were beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> And then it was like, oh, we have a bunch of pumpkins and some mice. Uh, that's the future of the team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, because e- even then, like, their young guys had hope. Like, I loved Andres Biedrins so much that year. <laughs> you have a Biedrins jersey, right? I do still have a Beedrins jersey. You have yeah. a Beedrins. I also have a Marco Bellinelli jersey. <laughs> That's yeah, the nice. two Warriors jerseys I have. That's awesome. <laughs> I just have a Dunleavy, but I did, but I got it many years <laughs> after he was off the team. It was very cheap. That was the other thing I was going to say. Is look, the they trade for they trade Troy Murphy and Mike Dunleavy for. Al Harrington and Steven Jackson at the deadline that year. And that year, the deadline was on my birthday. And I still tell people the greatest birthday present I ever received was not having to watch Mike Dunleavy play basketball anymore. <laughs> Did you, didn't you tell Al Harrington that like a month ago? Well, we I were... didn't say the Mike Dunleavy part. Right, but yes. yes. I told both Steven Jackson and Al Harrington that them getting traded to the Warriors was the best birthday present I've ever gotten. <laughs> we, were, we were covering the big threes <laughs> draft. <laughs> the ice cube throughout three league. Um... Oh, speaking of jerseys, uh, do you have superstitions that you use for the game? I know we're all rational people, but I, I find it hard to not be super superstitious about basketball. I don't have, I don't have superstitions like um, that make me like do weird things, like wear a certain pair of socks. But I do have like premonitions <laughs> like like last year when the Warriors uh, in the Western Conference Finals when they went to game seven I knew that they were going to win that game and the reason like the reason why I can I can back that up and not just say like it was in retrospect is because I went out to see that I went out to a bar to watch that game and I knew that they were going to lose game seven of the finals and I can back up that back that up by the fact that like I I stayed home for Game Seven because mm-hmm. like they're gonna lose and I don't want to be like out that would just be like too depressing yeah just be, like out like at a Warriors bar and watch them lose and then <laughs> mill home with a bunch of sad fans like I just like <laughs> did not want to do that and I knew it was gonna happen so I stayed home yeah last year Game Seven was on my birthday. And I was, it was also Father's Day, and I was with my family. And once, once that scenario had started, I felt very pessimistic. Especially because my dad sent me a text at, like, like as I was heading to the Bay Area from L.A. and said, this will be either the greatest or worst Father's Day slash birthday of both of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very specific condition, but um, uh, my mom has bad energy, 
during games, too. She just gets too mad at the other team. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm when I'm away from her, I mainly get texts about uh, how handsome Andre Iguodala is. So that's, that's a nice trade-off. <laughs> He's really her dream man. She really likes uh, all his off-court uh, pursuits and his Instagram. That's so, so funny. My wife's favorite favorite Warriors player is Iguodala, too. I don't know if it has to do with the handsomeness. I mean, she told me that it was just because, like, his intelligence and the way he plays, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, he has he has just good. My mom says it's about shoulders, Sean, and then and then like <laughs> she'll amend it to say that he seems like a good dad and she likes the clothes he wears and stuff. But it's 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 kind of shoulder based. Oh, and she just she just likes that he's an older guy who still dunks really hard too. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. She hates Chris Paul, though. That's the only player she does an impression of, which is just her putting her hands up and saying, Hey! And that's it. <laughs> that's perfect, though. Yeah. Uh, my only superstition is I don't follow the Oakland days anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the eight are rough. I wouldn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Who? Who's that? Um. All right. Should we talk about like the specifics of what we think is going to happen in this series a little bit? Like, Uh, who? Who? who, Go ahead. Yeah, I feel like we haven't talked about like. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I brought it up. Um, who do you guys think LeBron is going to guard in this series? Because Sean and I were talking about it a little last night. Oh, I, I just think you put him on Draymond. I think, I think you put him on Draymond and just try to not let that Draymond-initiated pick-and-roll be a thing that they can do. So if he's on Draymond, then who, like, how do the rest of the matchups go, you think? I mean, assuming, assuming it's like, uh, so like, I guess you have to divide into like whether the Warriors are small or not. Yeah, it's weird because it, 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 it seems like they don't have any kind of real matchup for Kevin Durant if he's really involved in a play. Because it last year they kind of just decided that J.R. Smith was going to take out Clay Thompson, like not, not even react to other stuff that was happening and just stay an inch Fate. away from yeah, yeah. him at all times. And, you know, it, uh, that's kind of what they did two years ago too. Um, I think they'd prefer to be able to kind of just sit LeBron on like Zaza or something, but I just I'm not really sure how they what they're going to do to guard Kevin Durant, I guess. Cuz it doesn't seem like Kevin Love could do it. And then like Tristan Thompson trying to follow him. It's weird. It seems like a big disadvantage for Cleveland. That specific like, matchup. I think what they might try to do is put Richard Jefferson on him. Um and stash LeBron elsewhere until like the end of games and then put LeBron on Durant in crunch time. 
That would be my guess, but I don't I don't really know. It's so hard to get that's, a series. That's also what I thought they were going to do. I feel like you can really only play Richard Jefferson for like 20 minutes a game. And that yeah. still leaves another 30 minutes, basically. I mean, so Shumpert then, maybe? Yeah. Put Shumpert? Put Shumpert but on if Sh- But if Sh- Shumpert seems so short to me. He's... Um, he's... How tall is he? Like... Isn't he? I mean, he's six five, I think. Or yeah, six six. So his but, hair makes him look taller. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he had quite a contrast. The hair length. I think he and J.R. Smith are basically the same height. I would have guessed Shumpert was shorter, because they tried to make Shumpert a point guard in New York, if you remember. And I think that has to do with how skinny and short he is. But maybe I might be wrong. Um, but yeah, so if Shumpert's on Durant and J.R. Smith is on... Clay. Clay, then you're leaving Kyrie Irving to actually guard Steph Curry? That also seems problematic. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it kind of just depends on what they decide <laughs> they want to take away. I mean, I'm, they did play really good defense against the Eastern Conference teams. I just wonder um, how that's going to work against the Warriors. I just I think they're going to ramp up the minutes for the Stars a lot more uh, for the Warriors, too. Because you look back, like, two years ago, Curry was playing, like, 42, 43 minutes a game. And... I've read some previews that are talking about him as if he's just going to play his regular season minutes and rotations, which seems seems like they're probably going to max him out a little more. Right. That, to me, seems like the actual positive of Steve Kerr not coaching, frankly. <laughs> I know that's horrible to say and makes me a bad person, but... Like my, I think Mike Brown is going to lean more on his stars than Steve Kerr would. Um, yeah, I was think, that's something I've been. I was thinking about, sort of when it first became clear that Steve Kerr was going to miss a significant portion of the playoffs. It's just like, I feel like Mike Brown will lean on the stars more, and will also like, he will not be afraid to like go to the small lineup like, at the first sign of trouble, and he'll yeah. also be more likely to, like, just run, pick, and roll mm-hmm. when things are bad. Um, I feel like the Warriors always look better when it's the green curry pick and roll. Because Agreed. Green is green, like, actually sets a pick. <laughs> <laughs> like, Durant, Durant slips the pick, I think, like, 90% of the time and like the 10% of the time when he's like sets a pick it's just like the worst he's like sideways ever. yeah yeah it's just like he doesn't <laughs> it's like it's like he doesn't know how to set a screen i i just don't think he's ever had to in his entire career as a basketball player um and which yeah, is funny, funny. yeah Go ahead. Uh, the pick and roll that's better is when it's Durant ball handling and Steph sets the screen. I think yeah, uh, 
Steph is weirdly a good screen setter for how slight he is. I believe I think part of it is like they let little guys like get away with whatever on screen. <laughs> yes. Like some of the screen success, especially off ball, it's just like football plays. But they're like, oh, he's, he's little, so it's okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> unreal. Yeah, I think the other factor is uh, they they like running, you know, the beautiful offense, but in the finals, people just kind of grab and tackle Steph Curry, and you know, it's probably not going to get called that much, and it also is going to make him way more tired. When you could get a lot of benefits by just not having him run through. You know, like the Cavs are already gonna make him run through a bunch of screens on defense. I don't know if they necessarily want to be trying to turn him into a catch and shoot guy on offense and run through screens on the other side. You know? Yeah, I mean, yes. A lot of the Cavs' strategy last year was tire out stuff. I mean, it was a little different since he was not a hundred percent. But like at the end of, I mean, the last three or four games of the finals, like, at the end of games especially, they would just, like, run, pick and roll, like, set repeated screens until Steph was on LeBron. And mm-hmm. then have LeBron attack Steph and ISO, which has to be exhausting. Um, yeah. So I feel like you don't want to play into their hands by tiring him out unnecessarily on the other end. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, well, that was actually going to be my next question which is how do the Warriors combat that this year? Uh, which is them just putting LeBron, I mean, them uh, putting Steph in screens until he's switched onto the matchup they like. I saw a couple of uh, articles, and I feel bad because I can't remember who exactly. I think maybe Eric Apricot did one for B-Ball Breakdown or something, where he said that, the Warriors, when uh, they play the Cavs, and they only do this when they play the Cavs, when they try to run pick and roll to get LeBron on Steph, when Steph sees the pick, he, like, runs out to LeBron James immediately and, like, sort of tags him and then runs back to, <laughs> to the other player. And it looks really odd, but it seems to, like, <laughs> kind of work. <laughs> like, uh-huh. at least... Steph is not on LeBron at the end of the at the end of the play. Yeah, LeBron exactly. Not have a there. Well, there was they um, there's a there was a, a video of him doing that with John Wall that went around that was like, oh, he's afraid of John Wall, but where he basically just runs up to him, tags him, and then runs away and lets Andre Iguodala come up and take him, basically. And I'm totally okay with that. Like, I don't, I don't care if he looks macho or not. He's not going to really look tough in any way because he looks like Steph Curry, even with that beard. And he's guarding LeBron James. <laughs> yeah. So like, You're just going to look. Yeah, what's more embarrassing, him doing that or actually trying to guard LeBron James? <laughs> right. I feel like what I would I, – I agree to some extent. I think what thing that I would do, though, is – Anytime he runs a pick and roll with someone other than LeBron, I would trap him. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, for sure. Yeah. 
there's no way like I'm just gonna let him just like run wild because no one traps Kyrie because I mean LeBron James is also on the court yeah but in that situation I feel like he can get he can get away with it but other than that like well he's what, not I mean, a super good passer I mean he's a good passer but he's not a super willing passer honestly. Yeah, and I feel like his he's pretty good um, when he's passing on drives. When he, if he's driving to the rim and he like gets it in his mind that he wants to throw a pass, he's good at that. I'm not so sure that he's good at this kind of passing where you're sort of uh, backing up and on your heels and like trying to throw a pass around defenders. Yeah, I mean maybe yeah. he is. I don't know. I haven't seen it that often. But I feel like they should at least try it and see what happens. Well, I think I think the Cavs are probably going if they're if they're throwing a lot of passes that plays into the Warriors' hands a lot because Andre Iguodala, Draymond Green, and everyone on the team is good at deflecting the ball. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I I, I could see the Cavs very easily kind of just reverting back to a lot of the Kyrie ISO, LeBron ISO stuff that is like their kind of break glass emergency technique. That's their strength, right? And that's sort of what the Warriors offense defense is also designed to force other teams into doing. It's like force them by switching every pick, force them to play in isolation. And it just happens yeah. that Cleveland has two terrific isolation players. Um, Which that's the weirdest part about even trying to judge this series. Mm -hmm. Even doing any kind of stat analysis on the Cavs is almost worthless because they sort of weren't trying and Kevin Love missed two months and... You know, Kyrie. Well, yeah. Did you see five thirty eight? Did you see five thirty eight the other day? Like apologized for the yeah, so for their stats on the Cavs. It was so funny. It's like they're, uh, it's like they're worried about uh, like last year's finals and the Trump thing fucked them up so bad. They're like ahead of time. They're like, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, don't they have like don't they have the Cavs like with like a three percent chance of winning the finals or something ridiculous? Yes, it's something. It might have been it, it might have been up to ten, but yeah, it was ridiculously low to start the playoffs. I want to say there's sweep odds. I don't know if this is five thirty eight or somebody else at ESPN, but somebody had the odds of a Warriors sweep at like eighteen to twenty percent, which seems very high. Yeah, it seems very high. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so weird because the Cavs have been coasting, and then they got to the playoffs and coasted through that. And the Warriors have been, you know, sort of trying to figure out how to play together during the regular season. Then they got to the playoffs, and they also coasted. Um, and I don't feel like their regular season matchups are very meaningful. Like, there's a few things yeah. that lean like tactically but like big picture like who which is the better team i don't really feel like i got a good sense of that from either of the games so it's just like talking about that christmas day game like it's something that's worth talking about but 
Like, if you remember what happened after that Christmas Day game, it was Steph complaining that they weren't using him enough, and then they became a, basically a different team, like, two <laughs> weeks later. It is it is the the most Steph Curry has ever complained. A light suggestion at one press conference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're just like, I just think it would be nice if, you would run a few more pick and rolls. Could I? Excuse me. Um, excuse me. Um, do you think I could maybe um, touch the ball um, a little bit? <laughs> Bombshell, Steph Curry, unhappy in Golden State. <laughs> now, now, do yeah, you. <laughs> That's, like, the angriest I've ever seen him, like, off the court. Like, obviously, on the court, he's had explosions, most notably through his mouthpiece yeah. uh, in the finals. But, like, off the court, yeah, it's, that's the angriest I've seen him. <laughs> I've seen him. That explosion. Uh, now, do you think... I do think maybe if... Especially if the series is getting kind of out of hand, I wouldn't mind seeing them just... Like letting Matt Barnes and Dante Jones just fight at halftime, fist fight. <laughs> yeah, that should happen at the tip off. They should send them both out for the jump at center. Just get it over and they with. Should just rock 'em, sock 'em, robots. <laughs> just the That's... second that ball goes in the air. <laughs> yeah, I feel like people have been making an analogies to like boxing, like. Ali Frazier. Uh-huh. So that could just be like the undercard <laughs> match, like right before the game. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've got Matt Barnes in one round, by the way, in that fight. But that's just me. <laughs> yeah, Matt, Matt Barnes seems like there's a lot of players in the NBA who, like, you know, like won't fight. Like fighting, just like not their thing. Like, uh-huh. why would it be? They're all like, yeah, they're probably enormous compared to their peers, and then they were rich, so like, right. <laughs> there's like no reason for them to fight. But Matt Barnes, Matt Barnes is definitely a guy who will fight. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of the funny thing about the Warriors is like people kind of think of them as this soft team. But Matt Barnes, David West, and Zaza Pachulia will all actually fight, I feel like. <laughs> well, and, and whereas they're clearly going to be terrible at it, uh, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are willing to, like, get into a fight and get near a fight. Like, <laughs> yeah, Steph no... doesn't back down from people. It's so funny. Yeah. Like, yeah. Definitely, like... Steph has... No problem getting in Samaj Kriston's face. <laughs> well, and, you know, Clay tried to fight Roy Hibbert. <laughs> that was... <laughs> yeah, they took away his like allowance guys, for that. Those guys are guys who are, like, willing to fight because, like, they, like, don't know what a fight is. So they're just like, yeah. I'll fight. <laughs> well, I also... <laughs> right. And I wonder, I wonder if... You know, obviously they don't have any, like, street fighting experience or anything, but I bet that Clay Thompson has gone into fistfights with his brothers 500 times. 
you know, like that sounds possible. Yeah, like he and Michael Jr. Probably not his little brother, but uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, I don't think that Steph and Seth Curry have really ever come to blows, though. No, that would like, be un ungodly. Yeah, it's just passive aggressive <laughs> Bible verses one way or another. I can imagine them shouting at each other over basketball, like in their backyard when they were kids, but probably mm-hmm. not coming to blows over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I guarantee when that happened, uh, the sister Slidell, Sidell, Sidell, uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, would definitely tell on them for yelling at each other. <laughs> Yes, yeah, his, his parents probably were like, you know, looking through like the, you know, the kitchen window at them or whatever. Yeah. They're definitely sort of like helicopter parents. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they still go to like a shocking amount of their children's games. Yeah, and any time like Steph like would tweak his ankle, I feel like they were always like immediately in the locker room. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, there was one thing I really wanted to talk to you about. You had, not to be the thread guy on Twitter, but you had an amazing Twitter thread yesterday, or maybe it was two days ago, about the Kyrie Irving shot. Oh, yeah. Uh, And how statistically (laughs) it shouldn't have gone in, and how crazy it is, and how, like, league-changing it was that it went in. I figured we should talk about it a little bit. I really loved what you were saying. Um, Thanks. Yeah, I I think the genesis of it was just like, I was thinking about, I mean, there's been way too much time since the end of the conference finals. And we've also been looking forward to this series since July 4th when Kevin Durant signed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I've been thinking about this matchup and this series like, for almost a year, <laughs> um, and so yeah, I just had had too much too much time on my basketball hands, um, and so I was thinking about how um, it's weird to think of the fact that people are partially basing like their predictions on what will happen in these finals based on the fact that that Kyrie shot went in because they're basing it on the fact that the Cavs won last year, and I feel like. If that hadn't happened, the Cavs had lost that series, people's um, opinions of how the series would go would be radically different. And so I was just thinking about, does that make sense or not? And then just like how things turn on things that are basically random, like that shot goes in or it doesn't, like we know that like most three-point shots don't go in. That's like yeah, it's less than a coin flip. Yeah, it's less than Your a coin chance. flip. And it's weird <laughs> because we think about we think about three point shooters. So like I feel like last year especially, anytime Steph would miss a three point shot, it was surprising. Even though statistically it shouldn't be surprising, like he misses most of his three point shots. Mm-hmm. Um, and so most three point shots don't go in. That shot on average doesn't go in. Um, and so it's just like. You know, thinking about that too deeply was just like you like end up like looking into like the structure of the universe and like <laughs> <laughs> how random and arbitrary like all of life is. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> all right, so so 
That being said, even though we've discussed the the unpredictability of both the NBA Finals and the universe itself, do you have a <laughs> Finals pick? Um, I knew you were going to ask me this, <laughs> and I was thinking about it. I don't. I don't know. I I just I have been more certain about other Finals before, but this one, for whatever reason, it's just like. I have no idea, like, what's going to happen. Like, I am pretty sure the Warriors aren't going to sweep. I think they'll probably win the series eventually. Like, if I had to put money on it, I would pick the Warriors. So I guess I will go um, Warriors in six, which has been my prediction for the past two years as well. (laughs) That's what I picked in 2015. That's what I picked in 2016. So I guess you, I'm. I guess I'm sticking with that. You've been correct fifty percent of the time. That's pretty. good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're going outcome and games, that's very good. Um, I'm gonna pick the Warriors in five, and it's less because I feel strongly about that. It's just I think I predicted it like a month or a month and a half ago, and I don't even. I don't even feel like it's a. a a hugely different prediction than saying Warriors in six. I just think they're more likely to uh, close it out in game five rather than in game six. And that's all it really comes down to. Even though it feels disrespectful to the Cleveland Cavaliers. But... uh, Yeah. Um, I think weird... I I kind of expect there to be a bunch of blowouts, though, weirdly. Well, there were less... Last finals, like every everyone remembers that as like a really close like <laughs> knockdown dragout series, but like there were a lot there were a lot of blowouts. I and, think there were uh, two the really close games. games. Yeah, there were two close games, and the rest were blowouts. Yeah, um, three and a half years ago, when the uh, the Cavs were barely beating the Indiana Pacers in round one. I said the Warriors were going foe, 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 foe. But now I'm not so show, show, show. Um, I am... I was so confident the Warriors were going to win last year that I'm now afraid this year. Uh, And I can't tell if that's what that... I mean, if that's real or not. Um... I don't know. I guess I'm picking the... I'm going to stick. you got to stay with it, Joey. You've come yeah, so far. Yeah, I know. I know. And I was so right. I looked so right until LeBron James started playing better than he maybe ever has before. Um. Look, you gotta, you got to go out like a legend. you got to shoot your shot here, Joey. Yeah. I'm going to be signing Clay Thompson toasters and hope that <laughs> continues. The magic continues. I mean, it is, it is, I do think it's a good point in the Warriors' favor that since counting games they were trying to win, they have not lost since that game in Minnesota uh, three months ago. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Do, you guys, do you guys think that they're playing their best basketball right now? I kind of don't, but also I realize I feel like now that Durant's on the team, I can't really tell. Yeah. Uh, I think... I think their defense has actually been really good, though. I think Steph is playing the best basketball he's played in maybe three years. 
uh, in in a playoffs. He was the way he got to the rim in the San Antonio series was very different than even he played in 2015. I felt. Um, oh. But again, I'm. Yeah, the other the other thing that worries me is that the lineups that seem like have been the most, um, you know, classic, just scorching other teams lineups have involved JaVale McGee recently. Yeah, <laughs> and and I just I I wonder if that is possible to do against Cleveland. Like like, will they just eat him alive on defense? Yeah, I don't. I don't know about Javale defensively <laughs> when LeBron is also on the floor. Right. Yeah. Like I feel, and LeBron's going to be like on the floor nearly all the time. I expect. <laughs> so I don't know when exactly Javale will be able to play. Because otherwise, LeBron's going to like, like call him from the herd and target him. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I also feel like a very interesting matchup that is different this time around is the Warriors had a huge advantage the previous two series when they put Sean Livingston in against Del Vadova or Mo Williams or whoever. Uh, like, if you remember in game one last year, Sean Livingston had, like, I think it was, like, 22 points. I think he was the team's leading scorer because it was yeah, such a blowout. Yeah. But... I just don't think he can... I think Darren Williams, weirdly, who I hate. It's like one of my least favorite basketball players ever. Uh, is big enough where Sean, where Sean Livingston's shit isn't going to work on him. Uh, but again, I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very uncertain feeling series. And I'm worried about Iguodala's shooting. Uh, yeah, we didn't I didn't talk about that at all. I think they're just going to leave him open the I entire feel like the series. series I, I told some someone this on Twitter, and they were, like, aghast. Or I said it, and someone replied, like, aghast that I would say something so ridiculous. But I really think he's, like, the X factor in this series. Like, if he can play like he was playing uh, when Durant was out during the regular season... I don't. I can't imagine the Warriors uh, even being challenged in, mm-hmm. in this series. Yeah. Uh, if he's bad uh, or not 100, percent and his, or his shot isn't going in, um, or he can't stay in front of LeBron, like I feel like that that opens the door for the Cavaliers. I mean, he's shooting 11 percent from three for the playoffs. <laughs> Is that good? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you're saying he's due? <laughs> I mean, somebody has to be due between him and Clay. Uh, but you also have to assume Draymond's shooting numbers are going to go down. Because he's been shooting, I think he's shooting like 49 or 52% from three in the playoffs so far. And as much as I love Draymond, uh, I don't know if that can continue. Yeah, math wise. Yeah, and it's so funny because like when we say we don't know if that can continue. Like imagine a Warriors sweep. In a Warriors sweep, like 
Draymond continuing his streak, that means he's going to have, like, I don't know, what, 18 three-pointers? That's, like, yeah. not a lot of shots. Like, <laughs> like for 18 three-point attempts, like, who knows how those are going to go. Anyway, right. I don't yeah. want to go down that <laughs> But, like, I don't, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like if, if the Warriors, if Iguodala plays well, then the series might look like uh, LeBron's last series in Miami where, like, the Warriors just ran them off the floor. I mean, the Spurs yeah. just ran them off the floor. Um, but if Iguodala is um, not not good, um, then I feel like it's definitely possible for the, the Cavs to win in seven. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's, yeah, I agree. For it to look like, I, I, I can imagine it looking like uh, the series before um, the LeBron's penultimate series in Miami where um, they sort of... They claw their way back and win the close yeah, like, games, yeah. Ah. All right, um, well, I think we need to go to our, the thing we do to close out every podcast, uh, we, we match up the Warriors, this super team against another amazing super team. They've So in the past, they have played the Suicide Squad. They have played Lincoln's team of rivals. They have played... The, they uh, played the Polyphonic Spree 5-on-21. They did. That was a challenge. Um, um, <laughs> and so this year, now, now we're finally getting the real dream matchup. So we're going to match up the 2016-17 Warriors against last year's Last year's Golden State Warriors. (laughs) It's a mirror match. Okay, so we've got in Kevin Durant, David West, JaVale McGee, Patrick McCaw, out Andrew Bogut, Harrison Barnes, Leandro Barbosa, Mo Spates, Festus Azili, and Casey's Mm. finest himself, Brandon Rush. Who, that was his old Twitter handle, and his posts were so... They were, like, transcendently boring. <laughs> um, so, I guess matchup-wise... <laughs> you have Bogut playing... Uh, Bogut on Zaza. Yeah. Those guys are both either hurt or ejected. Like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's uh, really the drop the gloves at the tip-off. Like, like the ball goes up, and Bogut just immediately elbows Zaza in the solar plexus. <laughs> um, I weirdly think they're cross-matching. So they have Draymond guarding Kevin Durant and Harrison Barnes guarding Draymond. Okay. Right? Did I yeah. just say that? I said that you right. Said that yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, I got confused. Um, I believe that both the Clays guard both the Steffs too. I think that yeah. is also correct. That's, that's also true. <laughs> <laughs> um, now here's the question: Does Steve Kerr still feel the need to play Barbosa and Verajao? And his vets in this one hundred percent. And yeah, you gotta Mike go. Brown and Mike Brown is playing uh, a six-man rotation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a weird thought experiment 
but I, you know, Harrison Barnes does provide a lot of defense, and he never gets tired. Um. I th- I actually think he's probably pretty good at guarding Draymond. Honestly, well, he also has the years of <laughs> verbal and physical abuse and practice <laughs> to draw upon. Yeah, he does. He does get you know when they play the the Mavs, he does get really weirdly amped, like when Draymond is like near him. Yeah, yeah, because Draymond is was mean to him for years. Um, Draymond resents anyone in the draft that was picked ahead of him that he thinks he's better than, which is why including Festus Azili. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> oh, that's right. So yeah, and that's why the Blazers series he was so motivated because it was like Mo Harkless, Myers Leonard, all these all these guys who directly cost him millions of dollars. <laughs> Uh, um, um, I think I do think that I know JaVale McGee look I'm the biggest JaVale McGee fan even before this year uh, I would always trade for him on my 2K 2K games because to me a dream front court was Anthony Randolph and JaVale McGee <laughs> in the ultimate skinny shot blocking uh, fast guys uh, but I think he has trouble with spades. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, but... Spades just, like, spades just at the three-point line and JaVale just, like, doesn't go out there. Right, like, yeah. <laughs> I think, but on the other hand, I feel like JaVale just, like, dunks on spades at the time. Actually, I think yes. off- both offenses will be run through spades and JaVale. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... They know they can go to bucket like every time. <laughs> uh, who are we kidding? Uh, this year's Warriors, maybe. Uh, I think, okay, here's what I think happens. I think last year's Warriors goes up on a 3 1 lead, and this year's <laughs> Warriors beats them. Oh. Poetic. Oh. That's right. And Kevin Durant. Weirdly. <laughs> Weirdly, mid-series, Donatus Montiunis appears and falls on the court at halftime. Uh, and last year, Steph uh, turn, hurts his knee. Yeah. And there's, and there's no, yeah. He's a good player. And, and all of Warriors Twitter is blaming the amazing Sladek. For bringing out Donatus Montiunis to help him at halftime. Wait, which guy is the amazing Sladek? Uh, he's the guy who climbs the chairs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> A very active social media user. If you mention him on the internet, you will hear from the amazing Sladek. Yeah. <laughs> uh. All right. Ezekiel, who you got, do you think? <laughs> um, I feel like it's weird to you because, like, how do you imagine the home court advantage? <laughs> like, right. Last year's Oracle versus this year's Oracle. I, I feel think like, last year's Oracle was better. <laughs> well, the tickets were cheaper, right? Yeah. Well, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Well, a, I think I read something where the this year's game, one of the finals, is cheaper than last year's game of one of the finals. Um, Interesting. 
Well, because last year we had like the 73 and 9 thing, right? So that mm-hmm. like, so you have that hype versus the Durant hype. I don't know. I feel like last year's Warriors uh, old home court, or at least win one at home court on, on their home court. Yeah, and uh, they get home court advantage because they have a better record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think about that. True. Uh, so they win the first two, um, and then this year's Warriors hold home court, uh-huh. and then win the next two. So I guess I'm picking this year's Warriors in six. Okay. I like that. I'm picking this year's Warriors in five, I think, because I think it's... I I think it's actually um, the political climate actually helps them because they like the this year's Warriors have seen have like looked into the abyss and climbed into the abyss and nothing can hurt them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and last year's last year's Warriors are like too brash. They're still they're still kind of innocent. They just don't yeah. believe that certain terrible, improbable, horrible things can happen. Yeah, Clay Thompson gives uh, last year's Clay Thompson gives like a press conference saying they're better than the Showtime Lakers, <laughs> and then this year's Warriors team shows up and he's like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Durant?" <laughs> That feels a little bit too demonstrative for Clay. Yeah, like it's true. Like, he just goes, "Oh man, Kevin Durant." <laughs> oh, oh shake sheesh. his head. Sheesh. <laughs> All right. Well, fly four W's, Deborah, for this year's Warriors. Uh, Ezekiel, anything you want to plug? Uh, no, I have no, I have nothing to plug. I, I'm All on right. Twitter. You can find me there. <laughs> yeah, yeah follow, follow Ezekiel on Twitter at The Shrillist. He's one of my favorites. Sean, what would you like to plug? Uh, so we're doing a live round ball rock on Friday, uh, June 2nd. It's in between games one and two of the finals. Free show, 6 o'clock to 7.30 at the Hemlock Tavern in San Francisco. It is on Polk Street in the Polk Gulch. And, oh, uh, are we going to have guests, Sean? We are going to have guests. We're going to have uh, famous on Twitter, at Talk Hoops, Zach Harper will be there. We have a mystery uh, stand-up comedian guest that we cannot announce for legal reasons. And we will have sideline reporting from Joe Tobin. So it should be really fun. And Dave's up there covering the, the stuff for Bleacher Report. Check out all his stuff at Bleacher Report, and uh, he had a really good piece about Sashir Zamala on GQ's website, so check that out for mm-hmm. Dave, and then you can check out my basketball writing on yardbarker.com. And, uh, yeah, for me, again, just go to Round Ball Rock Live. It's at the Hemlock Tavern at 6 o'clock on Friday, June 2nd. And as always, you can always follow me on Twitter at Frankie Muniz, where this week I tweeted, shit, didn't load it in time, uh, where this week I tweeted, um, eating pie, eating pie till I die, 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 for some reason, so... Uh, thanks a lot round ball rockers we'll see you Wednesday and trust the process trust the process
shut it down, let's go home. Let's go home, yeah. Success in life comes when you simply refuse to give up. On a mission so strong that obstacles like failure and loss only act as motivation. I mean, like, no one has the power to shatter your dreams unless you give it to them. Yeah, I go from tragedy to majesty. The victory has been woven into my tapestry. My adversary's not cut from the same flag as me. That's why the champion's gonna be who it has to be. This ain't the type of opportunity that just appears. I made it here because I shed blood, sweat, and tears. To get the title, I forever have my sights on. This is where I become an American icon. Yeah. If you a champion, show me you a champion. If you a champion, show me you a champion. The real champions move like Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.